I'm Eddie Rowley, and you're listening to My Country Life, a podcast that takes you backstage and into the real lives of Ireland's country music kings and queens. Each podcast in this series features a country star opening up the doors to their past and taking us on their personal journey into the spotlight. Along the way, they reveal their highs and lows, happiness and heartaches, and their struggle to find success. Here we meet Derek Ryan, who first found fame as a member of pop sensation Steeside in the early noughties. Derek performed on Top of the Pops, toured the world, and played major venues such as London's Wembley Arena and Dublin's Point Theatre, now the Three Arena. When Deeside fizzled out, Derek found himself struggling to make ends meet playing the pubs around London. However, as he now recalls, he eventually found his true passion as a country music singer-songwriter and is now one of Ireland's top stars. So Derek, welcome to My Country Life. Thank you very much. Thanks and, for having uh, me. what a country life. <laughs> you've had uh, and not just a country life a pub mm. life as well but we, we'll talk about uh, all that later on but uh, first of all where you come from you, you, had a, you had a lovely country upbringing I did yeah I come from a place called Milltown Milltown Gary Hill um, in County Carlow and even though we're not we're not farmers but we were surrounded by farms and uh, you know so it was great went to a, a local primary school with I think Around the average at, uh, attendance is about fifty people or something. So it was a two a two room kind of uh, prefab school, and it was just brilliant. Yeah, played all the all the sports growing up, and uh, of course got into music and flat cues, different things. So it was just a it was a, a great kind of childhood, really. You know, you're the youngest of three, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. And yourself and Adrian were a, a duo. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, we were. So we, myself and, and my sister Claude and my brother Age, we, we all played in the in the kind of group of Keol in, in Bagnestown and in the flag Keols. And then uh, myself and Adrian went went on the road <laughs> when the, he was he was fifteen, I think maybe, and I was I was twelve. And we went as the Ryan brothers and just kind of as a as a hobby really. Um, Dad played in, played in a two piece band called Coupla, and any gigs that he couldn't do, basically he. He was passed them on to friends of his, and then he decided, you know what, we have a little band here in the family. So passed them on to the young ones. He passed it on to us, and then we we kind of grew from there. And it was it was kind of one a week, and then during the summers, like you know, when I was on a break from school, obviously, um, we just were playing two, three nights, four nights a week, and it just got like crazy. Did you support Big Tom at one stage? We did. We supported Big Tom in the Lower Bagnell um, back a good few years ago. Now I'd say I was maybe at, that was close to the start of it, so maybe maybe thirteen years old. Um, I just thought it was amazing, you know, we walked in and I was playing through Big Tom's gear and, you know, uh, Big Tom's drums I was playing and that's what I had in my head anyway. And, um, you know, so it was... A, that was your claim to fame. That was think? my claim to fame for a long time, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I met him, you know, before before he passed away and I was chatting to him about it and saying, I, I supported you now, but whatever it was, 20 years ago at that stage, so... Yeah, and, and, and you recorded or you... Uh, yeah, you recorded a couple of Big Tom songs. I did, yeah, I did. Um, I did, I um, did... What's the one now? Um, I settle for settle for all Ireland. Yeah, sorry, in my head. And run to the run door. to the door. Yeah. I, I recorded as well on my first album. So, um, but we would have grown up. Uh, you know, Dad was actually Big Tom was Dad's favorite singer, so we would have had all his tapes um, and uh, vinyls and what have you in the house and all the rest of the guys as well, like Declan Ernie, John Hogan, Mick Flavin. That was kind of the I grew up listening to to those guys, you know. But yeah. um, uh, Big Tom was definitely a household favorite. And he was very complimentary of you, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he was. No, I mean, look, you know, he was obviously he said to me about my, my songs and my songwriting and different things. You know, um, I always wanted to kind of duet or write a song from, but never got a, never got a chance to, or never never really worked out. So, um, yeah, but no, no, he was always and lovely as gentleman when you met him. You know, he was yeah. um, he was uh, so humble as well for for what he's you know what, what he achieved in his life. You know. Yeah, I'm sure everybody in the business learned a lot from from Tom how he carried himself and. Um, yeah, how he interacted with people. Yeah, I think so. Like there was no kind of, um, do you know, anytime I, uh, you know, did a spot over in Galway one night with him actually, and uh, you know, there was no kind of, um, oh, I'm the star, around this, around that. You know, he was just very much, uh, I think, kind of happy to be in the background almost, and the attention yeah. was something that just came along with when he was on stage. But other than that, he just kind of liked to, to just kind of fit in, and uh, you know, so um, you learn a lot from that too, you know, and he he was the biggest star of. Of them all, really. So, <laughs> and that's you know, so um, that that tells a lot, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, sport was was a big thing for you when yeah. you were, when you were young. Handball, definitely. Yeah, handball and uh, played uh, Gaelic as well, Gaelic football. Uh, hurling, not so much. I was on the squad, but <laughs> <laughs> I was a goalkeeper. Kind of every second year, I was the goalkeeper, um, just because I played handball. I think and I had a good eye for the ball, but uh, I couldn't really take the belts that much. So I had to. I kind of took a back seat in the hurling, but the football I loved and um, still do. Still go to all the um, as many All Irelands as I can, as many matches as I can. Um, living in Fermanagh now as well, so I go to some of the club games up there and just uh, sit in the stand and yeah. observe. But I love it. I, I follow it uh, big times, so um, big interest in me. It, it's a great culture as well we have in sport too, isn't it? Yeah, I know it is, and it's just a fantastic sport and the you know the amount of time and effort that goes into it. You know, um, I really admire the guys that you know at the top level. You know, it's such a commitment for. Um, yeah. You know, there's no monetary value in it, really. You know, they're not getting anything for it, and it's just, uh, it's just something to, you know, the the commitment is unbelievable. Yeah, you won a couple of titles, did you? In in football, in, in handball, in handball, yeah. Well, I won, um, I won a lot, lots of county titles, and then I won a Leinster title uh, under seventeen. Now, my brother Adrian is a different story. He was winning all Irelands and and goals and Mosney and Failers and all that kind of thing. Um, but no, I was I was co- coming along there and. Uh, you know, improve and I won the Leinster as I say under seventeen, but I, I, I think the music kind of took over for yeah. me really. Um but I went back and played it since and um won a few different <laughs> local competitions. <laughs> I remember you telling me a lovely story about Sunday mornings. Yeah. You know, yeah. mass mass at half nine. Yeah. Yeah. And then there'd be handball while your yeah. while your poor mother was at home. Yeah, we used to go the dinner. We used to go to the half nine mass and go to handball every Sunday religiously. And if not there might be matches on. We'd go to the you know the matches up in wherever it may be. Uh, we'd be travelling with the, the sandwiches in the back of the van. And but uh, if we weren't on the road with the handball, we were we went down to the local club and uh, we always played there for maybe definitely an hour if not more. Um, and coming back up and funny enough, I was listening to uh, Tony Kyo. I was down at home recently. I was listening to Tony Kyo on Southeast Radio, and he's on every Sunday morning. And that brought back memories as well because. Um, that's the, he was on the radio as Mammy was cooking the dinner and everything every every Sunday, you know, really? uh, playing yeah. Irish country music. So yeah, no, that's my memories of, of Sundays. They're a very uh, relaxing day, family day as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Then um, obviously you went on to become big country artist, but before that you were a big pop star in Ireland <laughs> as well. And did that come about because back in the nineties, Boyzone were so huge; mm. they became this massive boy band pop band out of, out of Ireland and inspired a lot of young people like yourself yeah of course yeah I mean we I, I was singing in, in pubs and all and you know since I was 
12 or whatever, but, you know, you're watching the TV and listening to the radio and uh, you're, you're recording Larry Gogan on a Saturday morning, you know, taping the, really? the, top, the top 30 charts or whatever and, and ha- having them on, on cassette then, you know, to play during the week. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, Ronan Keaton, you know, I, I probably wanted to be Ronan Keaton, you know, when I was growing up. Um, just a, a big inspiration for me. Um, and, you know, and Westlife. I was kind of maybe, I always say I was about two or three years too young for the Westlife audition. <laughs> That's the way things work out. Yeah. I remember the audition being announced and everything. And uh, I remember them launching and, and all that kind of thing and just wishing I was, I was part of it. But I was, just, I was just too young. And then when, when D-Side came along, the auditions came along, I said, right, I'm going to go for this and see what, see what happens. I was in fifth year in school. So um, I think Westlife were, when we first auditioned for D-Side, Westlife were kind of, rocking with their first album you know um, so they were a big inspiration as well you know it's amazing I think as well because they were from Sligo you know three guys from Sligo I thought you know I'm from Carlo it's kind of similar or something you know I thought yeah. if they can do it I can do it you know that kind of attitude yeah because the perception was you had to be from the city yeah smoke. a little bit yeah with oh. boys own you Most know rural the, fellas would yeah. have a chance yeah yeah so I was like you know we go from the from the sticks here and see what we can do <laughs> <laughs> So who was in D-side? Um, myself, um, Damien Bow was from, from Leash. And we had, uh, uh, we, funny, we had two Derricks and two Damien's. So we had to change a few names uh, along the way. We had Damien Guyton, um, we had Shane Creevy and, and Derek Morn. Um, so those three guys were from the city. Uh, two of them were, were, were Billy Barry kids. So they were um, a lot more experienced, I'd say, than, you know, definitely myself. And, and uh, I suppose Damien was, was singing at weddings and, you know, he had gigged a lot as well and different things. But, um, you yeah, know, I was... Fairly naive now, I think, getting into the band, you know, with these city slickers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so did you finish your Leaving Cert? I did, yeah. yeah. I finished the Leaving Cert and I was rehearsing for, for sixth year, actually. Um, I was kind of, <laughs> I was out of school more often than I was in it, I think. But uh, I managed to get, I think I got 500 and something pints. Or wow. so, yeah. So I always say if I was, had been there, I might have got a, yeah. a, a even better Leaving Cert. But no, I did, I did well and... Um, but I was rehearsing twice a week with, with the band and the odd trip to London to kind of, you know, kind of uh, not audition, but kind of meet different people, record companies and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it was a busy, sixth year was a busy, a busy year for me. And then I finished the final exam, which was physics, I think it was. And um, it wasn't my favourite subject. And I remember going through all the, uh, the, the you know, the, the, the theories, whatever. I, I, looked, I put up all the marks like, right, I know I have this, I know I have that. And I, had, I knew I had enough marks to, to pass it. And it was going to be my last, my seventh subject anyway or whatever. So I knew I had enough to pass and I walked out and I said to everyone, good luck and see you later. <laughs> 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 and that was the, that was the last, next day I flew to London then for, for, for the band, you know. And into the eye of the storm. <laughs> yeah, into the eye of the storm. Yeah, and looking back, like, you know, my parents, I suppose, were very supportive in a way. I said they were worried, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I was, you know, academic, you know. So I think they were a, bit, a little bit apprehensive about going full time into music because music was always like, seen as a hobby or a pastime or yeah. an extra job on the side but it was never I don't think seen in our house as a full-time thing you know but um, at the same time it was an opportunity I couldn't really turn down you know it was a we, you know we eventually got signed to a major you know Warner International you know so who's gonna yeah. who's gonna um, not take that you know you were only 17 were you at the time 17 yeah so we're young yeah. enough yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I remember actually it was I wrote a song about a mother a mother's son um, it was a title track of my debut album I remember going up to Kulak and um, going to da- Damien Guyton's house you know the night before moving to London and my he, man he, dropped he me be, off he became you know, Jane Guyton did he? Dane yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, he I remember mum and my brother dropped me off and uh, mum got fierce upset. And I, I, at the time, I kind of, 
I didn't really understand it because I was thinking, you know, this is great. Like, you know, this is really exciting. It's good. It's a good thing. But I now I look back and, do you know, it was her saying goodbye to her, her youngest, really. You know, yeah. the house was never going to be the same again. So, yeah, yeah. The last one to fly the nest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think about it now, kind of. <laughs> I still can see the rising sun and feel the morning breeze. The fateful day I set on my way to try and find my dreams. The world was right before my eyes, my home I left behind. My mother held me close to her heart And said with a tear in her eye Don't want perfection But learn from the wrongs that you do Be true to yourself Your family and friends And the woman who cherishes you A loving touch can be worth so much more Then the diamonds and rings we adore It's how you were raised to be When you're away from me Your mother's son Who was looking after you management-wise? Um, Kim Glover. Um, now, two guys from, from Cork actually started the band. Um, Rory and I think it was Owen, Owen McSweeney. Mm -hmm. And then Kim took over then about a year into it in London. And uh, she was always kind of there on the side, but she took over full time then. And before that, she had looked after. Uh, she had bewitched. Um, I think she was Nuki's on the block and and um, Anton Deck before the Anton Deck. I think it was a PJ and Duncan. PJ and a few, Duncan. A few, yeah. few of those kind of. Uh, so she was good, like pop, you know, pedigree manager kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it seemed kind of was a good a good move for us, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe looking back, it could have been. Could, there could have been better moves, but I don't know. Um, hindsight's a great, a great thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a learning curve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She I mean, was only one interested at the time, so I suppose you're going to, yeah, yeah. you know, you're going to take it. Um, and you, and I mean, you're working at the highest level, <clears throat> playing top venues and <clears throat> appearing in all the biggest TV shows around <clears throat> at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And on, were you on the Smash Hit Road Show? And yeah, we did the Smash Hit Road Show, and I remember we were we were kind of you know the the newcomer thing was a, a big thing back then um backstreet boys and spice girls and i think even boys own and Weston might, might have you know might have got it but uh, we were yeah. up against six for that and it was like a vote and I remember that was the big thing on the tour and we we won it in the end and um got the smash hits award and on, on channel four and that was kind of the first time i think that there was a big kind of smash hits party live on channel four it's first time kind of people from school and all you know would have seen it was a good year and a half yeah. maybe into it, you know, later and people would have seen, oh, he's doing actually all right here. He's, you know, he's on TV and yeah. the band is really, you know, we're on the same bill as S Club 7, Westlife, Blue, you know, so uh, they were kind of thinking, oh, this guy's, you know, I remember getting texts and things, you know, uh, saying well done and stuff. So that was the first time people from home kind of start to recognize that things were happening, you know. Yeah, texting, can you can can you get me to meet whoever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was even amazed. I mean, you know, meeting all these people or being in the same room as all these kind of famous people, you know. Yeah. I remember meeting, you know, Rachel Stevens and all these, you know, people that you would have seen in magazines for years. But yeah. it's like anything, I suppose, once you meet, they always say once you meet one famous person, you meet them all because you just, yeah. that, that kind of, you know. It goes away. Yeah, it goes away after <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you had several hits. Big we hits. did, yeah, we did. Like, I mean, we look at we we had a uh, three top tens in the UK. 
Speechless was nine, I think Invisible was seven, and Real World was nine as well. So we did well. I suppose that the record company kind of wanted us to push on maybe after the first and kind of go up to three or two or one, you know, to kind of keep us. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of just didn't didn't really happen. And then after that, the kind of album, um, you know, we were kind of, the album didn't do well after that. But um, no, the three three hits, I mean, no one can take them take them away from us. <laughs> you performed Top of the Pops? We did. We had two, two performances on Top of the Pops and all the kind of big TV shows back then, yeah. you know, we kind of got it. Um, kind of got all of them really. Um, Top of the Pops was special though. It was I mean, the biggest, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was amazing. Like, and we still have them. I got them actually for a recent um, BBC. Actually, sent them on for a show I did up the, up the north. And yeah, and I just have them now, and I sent them on to all the guys because just fantastic to have. You know, we only had, we actually didn't have the performances. There was a few little dodgy clips of them on YouTube and stuff, but I have them now on a on a file. Great, um, yeah. and it's just great to look back at them. You know. And then what was it like, you know, being a pop star? You, obviously, people assume, fans assume, screaming girls. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Show me out of your wardrobe and all that. Yeah, kind of it was like, and I, I always say we were the best behaved band, you know. I think it, was, mm. it happened again now. I don't know how to be that well behaved. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we like, you know, the usual kind of thing. We had screaming fans. We had groupies outside the arenas waiting for us. We had groupies in hotels. They always kind of had a knack of finding out where you are and, uh, went to Japan as well. We number one in Japan, and that was even crazier. We had people, we booked in on our fake names, and um, we had girls finding out the fake names and booking rooms beside us and waiting at the doors, and you know all all that kind of stuff. I suppose yeah. that you know the big kind of pop bands back in the day would have experienced, but uh, we 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 had it, you know, and it was great. It was fantastic. And then we went to all all the VIP parties, and um, it's great in a way because you do it young, and then you see them for what they are, and you kind yeah. of move on, you know. But it's great to know know them for what they are and just enjoy them and just kind of move on from them, you know. And realise you're not actually missing an awful lot. Exactly. <laughs> I'm missing anything. <laughs> but uh, no, it was brilliant. Like, I mean, look, we, all those kind of, uh, yeah, all the, the parties back then, the big ones, yeah. all the big clubs in London, we were, we were out and all the magazine parties and all that kind of thing. All the premieres, actually. That's one thing I do miss. The premieres were fantastic. Yeah. Um, going up the red carpet and remember the Pirates of Caribbean and Angelina Jolie and, um, you know, Keira Knightley and Johnny Depp were all there and, you know, in the same room and, you know, just, just you know, mad, surreal things, you know. But, Pretty uh, amazing for a young fella from Carlo. Oh, yeah. I remember, <laughs> yeah. I remember just amazing memories, you know. I mean, yeah. Loads of those kind of premieres and stuff in London. They're a big deal, you know. Everyone was arriving and, uh, but you know, you kind of see the reality too. Like if you know you're on the red carpet and suddenly a big, big name arrives and then you're shut <laughs> off, and it's like <laughs> you're nobody again. Yeah, Jesus, we came at the wrong time, lads. You know, we, um, you know, Johnny Depp has just arrived. You know, so you know all those kind of things. You see the other side of it too, and it's good that you can um, you can see it for you know, see it, get a laugh out of it as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you were what then, eighteen, nineteen, twenty? How many mm. years did you have? Uh, kind of well, we we kind of kept it going three of us maybe for another few years, but mm. really, the, the, you know, 19, when I was nineteen, that's the year we had the kind of top tens and right. on top of the pops. So looking back, I think, you know, I remember chatting actually. I mentioned physics, but I remember chatting at the back of the physics class one one day, and we, you know, we had a free class or something, and um, you know, one of the girls had a Westlife album, the first Westlife album in her bag. And she's and she wouldn't have been into pop, she wouldn't have been into boy bands actually. Funny enough, you know she was into rock and all that kind of you know, and she had this. And I was like, you're not into that kind of. Music. She goes, well, I'm into this. You know, it's a great album, whatever. And she, uh, I said, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in a boy band like that. And she had seen him on top of the pops or something. And I, I said, she always says, uh, since you know when I meet her, uh, she says, you told me you'd be on top of the pops in a few years. And I, I did it like in a, in the in the space of 
a couple of years, you know. Um, so that I'm kind of proud of that, that, you know, I said I was going to do something and didn't obviously work out the way we would have liked, but, yeah. you know, you, you set yourself a goal and, you you know, yeah. from Carlo and you're in, from this little village and, you know, you next thing you're on top of the pops, you know. So things like that I kind of look back and I'm, I'm proud of, you know. And what happened in the end, you know, when you came out of it, did you come out of it with a few bob, or, you know, or, 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 there's an awful lot of sad stories in in, yeah. in, in the pop scene. I'd love to say we did, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, there again, the perception, oh, he's a millionaire now. Yeah, and that was the problem, you know, because, you know, pe- our videos were still being shown on, on all the, you know, the music channels, you know, so we, people at home still thought, you know, he's doing he's doing well, but we had no, we had no money. You know, the reality of it, we'd, we'd, uh, we, we kind of had our rent paid for a while, I suppose, and we'd, we got a certain amount every month to kind of keep our bills you know, off, off our backs, whatever, but, um, and the money dried up and we were, you know, I, I, I was still living in London and, um, not cheap. I had no money. Yeah. I remember ringing my brother one time to send over money to pay the rent, you know? Um, and that was kind of, that was the toughest when it all kind of went, it was a definite kind of end to it. That was really tough, you know, because, mm. um, you didn't know where you were, you know, you just didn't know who, who you were even, you know, you're spent these last kind of five years going, right, we're going to do this and work like absolute, the hours we put into it, like, and I always say, if we got paid by the hour, we would be millionaires. Like, you know, yeah. we just, um, that's not the way the music business works, you know. <laughs> no. yeah. And how did you, how did you get by then? Um, just started gigging. Uh, went back. Uh, a cousin of mine, who was a, because my mom's actually was an agent for pubs in London, and just was chatting to mom one night, and she said, "Look, why don't you just give him a range? Sure, you've nothing to lose." And God, uh, he said, "Sure, I'll give you one gig," and then that turned into. Another gig, and away you go. And um, so I started gigging in Irish pubs. Um, I went back to university then, in, in just to try and get my my brain kind of, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I just kind of want to get functioning again, Re- you know. I kind of just get to know myself as a person rather than this lad that was in a boy band, you know, yeah. thinking he was the bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's all washed up. <laughs> yeah, now he's in a, you know, and uh, you know, so I was when moved into a, moved down to Fulham then, um, and because it was a nicer area, I kind of took the hit on where I was living. I lived in the bed, bed sit, you know, but I wanted to be in a nice area. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that was, that was it really. I was going to back to university um, uh, kind of three nights a week and then I was gigging uh, two or three nights a week as well. So I kind of had a work that I never had to get up in the morning, which was, <laughs> which was fantastic. Um, so that was kind of my life really. And I kind of... What kind of music were you doing in the pubs? Just everything. And I was kind of learning my craft really because, you know, um, I kind of look back now and think, you know, sometimes with pop groups, you know, how limited... Some of them, some of them are really, you know, if yeah. they really had to to perform in front of people, um, you know, I even see now with the country thing, it was like it was a, uh, even though I was gigging with my guitar in London, that was that was great. That that kind of taught me how to, you know, entertain a crowd, and you know, even someone is doing arenas now. I'll just take out the guitar and do an acoustic set, and I, it's like second nature, you know. I don't I don't even think about it, which is fantastic. That's yeah. all experience of just gigging yes. over the years, you know. Um, but even my first gig with a country band, you know, a live band, you know, you're, you just, it's a different, different kettle of fish than a boy band. And people say, oh, she, you gigged in different arenas and on. I was like, yeah, a lot of that was on track. And, yeah. you know, if you're having a bad night, you could put your vocal on track and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas you're completely live, um, you know, with the country thing or acoustic thing or whatever it may be. Um, and that even was, uh, was great. It was, it was a relief in a way, like, you know, but, um, yeah. you know, it's a different, just a different kettle of fish, the gig, you know. And how did you, did you get a degree in university? No. no. <laughs> when I moved home to Carlow, then I, I went back to Carlow IT. I kind of went into third year. You know, they took me, uh, they took some of the years from, from London or whatever. But um, then third year, went into Carlow, was studying, and then God's plan took off. And 
I just hadn't got time. I was doing gigs in Armagh and spots, different places, and coming back and going into, into, into college the next day, I was just wrecked. And after the third year, I said, look, I'll... So I got third year done and passed or whatever, and I said, look, I'll go back and do four year if I, if I need to. But uh, thankfully, I've never had to, yeah. had to go back. So Yeah. You came home, mm. and you, you ended up living back home with your parents. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, again, I came back with relatively no, you know, no money, you know. Um, and I remember I started gigging in, in, in local pubs or whatever, and uh, I remember kind of friends me saying, you know, what are you doing gigging there? What are you doing gigging there? And I just thought, it's just, you know, I have to. You know, and I want, you know, I kind of wanted to, it didn't really bother me so much, but it was, I bothered other people. <laughs> but I was like, you know what, um, a gig is a gig and this is the way of building things back up and you have to start somewhere and start gigging local pubs and then got weddings and all that kind of thing. So I was tipping away, you know, nicely before the kind of country thing took off again. Yeah. I was happy enough, you know. Yeah. And did you kind of not feel a sense of, you know, um, disappointment and loss and... Um, embarrassment I think I, I think I got over it I did, there was a period of say two or three years when I was living in London and that, that kind of helped I think if I'd moved home straight away from the band I think it would have been a lot tougher yeah. um, but I think no I, I, I didn't because I knew like I knew I wouldn't say like I knew I was I was good but I knew that I, I, I could I could sing and I knew I could write songs and I knew um, so I wasn't really embarrassed as such I, I tried something it didn't work yeah. what do you do like you're not going to sit at home I'm not going to sit at home and on the couch and have no money and say to people wish I was in a boy band once like you can't yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't work like um, and so I, I just wanted to get back gigging and, and working and making money like anyone you know and very supportive parents yeah you were very lucky in that respect weren't you yeah I know I know and it probably was like kind of um, but then look it's, I'm not the first won't be the last especially with um the recession and uh, even COVID with people living at home, with their parents at, a, you know, older ages and especially with the price of houses these days, it's it's absolutely mental. So um, I was just one of lots of people, I suppose. Yeah, but it was just, I suppose, strange in a way that I'd lived away from home for so long. Jet setting as well. Yeah, exactly. And living in hotels and fancy hotels at that and all that, you know, working in America, with, you know, making albums and doing whatever and then coming back and, and living with your parents in Gary, but I, I didn't mind. I kind of enjoyed it because I hadn't seen them for a long time. Yeah, um, and they—I think they. Well, I'd like to think they—they they kind of were, were happy with it too. You know. Oh, so, I'm sure your mother loved. Yeah, so it was great. Being back home. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. great to be back. Really, but you know, obviously, you kind of want to move on and get your own get your own thing going eventually. You know. And then <clears throat> you were probably in the right place at the right time mm. with with the country music scene because it just had, yeah. had a, a fresh new wave of success. Yeah, right? yeah. No, it was like I remember. Around that time, actually, I went down to um, Kilkenny to do a or to, to have dinner with my parents. And the same night, and it was, there was a gig on in Kilkenny, and uh, actually Nathan Carter was playing at us. It was like headlining us, and I there was a few people on. It was um, Sean Lockery, and it was a few acts on, you know. And uh, it was a country night, and just as we were coming out of dinner, I seen this on, so I went in and just st- stood at the back, you know. And I came out and I said to uh, my parents and whoever else, I said, "Geez, I could do that, you know." And says, well, why don't you then? <laughs> and the whole way home, I was thinking about this. And I remember I had the song God's Plan. And uh, uh, I didn't, I had sent it out to, to different singers and stuff. And they just didn't pick up on it. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to release it myself. Sure, see what, see what happens. Sure, you know, um, thankfully I did. And kind of, um, I was lucky enough to have, like I say, I suppose what could be considered a hit single 
with my debut single, you know, which not everyone is lucky enough to have, and, and that, that kind of opened the door straight away. And so, and as you say, it was the right time because Lisa McHugh was on the scene as well, and there was th- three or four of us there to kind of, you know, Mike Denver. Of course. Yeah, and well, Mike was on a long time then, yeah. you know, already, um, but he was kind of really rock and rolling, you know. So it was just a case of getting out there and trying to make up ground in those ways, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we all set up to fight. True love to meet someone special, like they're sent from above to heaven to hold together, grown old to love for the rest of our lives. It's all. My love, you are my woman, and I am your man. It's all part of God's plan, my love. Join in our hearts till death do us part. Living forever, God's plan. It's all about having a song that's identified mm. with you as an artist, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but not alone did you achieve that. It was also one of your own yeah. original songs because yeah. you're a prolific songwriter. Well, it's something I kind of, I, I, I learned as well. You know, you're always learning about songwriting, you know, if you learn with, or if you write with someone new or whatever, um, you're always kind of, it's like any craft really. But I did learn a lot from working with producers and writers, world-class producers and writers with the band, you know. And then I kind of brought that back to, to my own thing. But it's it's something I love I love to do. Um, and it, it is kind of, it's, it's, it's strange in a way, it's something I wanted to bring to the Irish country music scene. Now, it is frustrating at times, and it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot harder work than I thought it would be to kind of promote songs that are original, if you know what I mean. Um, but I think it's worth the, for me personally, it's worth the, it's worth the work. Now I have done. Don't get me wrong. I have recorded covers, and so you had to do that in the early days because, first of all, I didn't have enough originals, <laughs> and second of all, you know, kind of people expect originals at shows or songs that they know at shows. You know, so you have to make the originals songs that people know, and that's the toughest part. Yeah. Uh, but um, thankfully, I'm kind of well into it now, and I have enough. I, I could do could do a show of originals, you know, easily. Fantastic, isn't yeah. it? And, and other artists, including Daniel, mm. uh, have recorded your songs. Yeah, Daniel, uh, Daniel Donald's recorded uh, God's Plan and Perfect Days and um, lots of uh, Foster and Alan, uh, Philomena Begley, I wrote a few songs for her as well. And uh, So artists kind of do get in touch with me and see, you know, if there's any songs that I have that might suit them because there is a lot of songs there that, um, you know, I could write and it wouldn't Would suit, it suit me. suit you. Yeah. yeah. Um, doesn't mean they're not good songs ever. It's just certain voices and certain types of, 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 of artists, really, you know. Yeah, so you think this might be a, a Philomena song? or it Yeah, might be a exactly, yeah. Um, or it might, you know, it might be for a, kind of an older artist or whatever way, the, whatever the sentiment of the song is. But it's, it's great to have that kind of, you know, you get, get phone calls from, from legends, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a compliment in itself, you know. You haven't written a hit for Nathan yet. 
No, I haven't. No, we haven't co-written either. But uh, there is there was talks of it there, but uh, we haven't got around to it yet. But and your neighbours now? He's a busy man. Uh, yeah, no, we're neighbours. Yeah, well, we're we're close enough there. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're up in Fermanagh. So. Three fields apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say if I, if I started singing, he'd probably hear me. I'd say, but um, singing badly. <laughs> you didn't know that he was there. No, I didn't. No, I knew was, I knew he was in Fermanagh, and. Yeah. Um, just a house came up then. Uh, I always had an apartment in Fermanagh and then a house came up and I moved out to this area. And then uh, I, think it was the, I think it was the postman said to me one day, he says, yeah. he says, you do know, like, yeah, there's another singer here just down the road. Like, and I was like, and then I kind of put two and two together. I was like, no way. Um, <laughs> and literally, like, we're, I don't know, maybe a mile or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, funny how things work out. Like, the, yeah. whole of, the whole of Ireland, like, he probably thinks I'm following around, but um, <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> And you haven't really got together. I suppose you couldn't with lockdown. No, no we've, we've, I've met him there. Like it's funny during lockdown, there it was you know it was real surreal in, in lockdown. Yeah. Um, like we go out for walks and stuff, and he'd be, you know he'd stop and, and have a chat and whatever. And but uh, yeah, it's just uh, lockdown. Actually, it was funny. I actually moved into the house during lockdown, and you know oh. it's kind of tougher to get to know people really. Um, yeah. But now it's kind of opening up, and we're getting to know all the neighbours and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. The country music scene, uh, it has been phenomenal, hasn't mm. it? Uh, you know, it's, it's up there with, with the pop scene in, in the UK. It's, it's, it's the only live music scene, really, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's operating at a very, very high level, that, you know, and, and mm. the, the quality of the artists and the production mm. values mm. are first class now. Yeah, no, it is. And so many, so many gigs. I mean, you know, the, the beauty of, I suppose, dances is that you can go to a venue and you can go back there maybe five or six weeks later and to the same venue, which is not, you know, it's not a luxury you have with, with other genres and, and then the theatre tours and, but like, it's so, um, it's so popular. I think people, you know, maybe that aren't into country or, or, you know, maybe living in the city and stuff don't see, you know, how popular it is, you know, with the amount of gigs that we do in, in the year and, and whether it be marquees, festivals, dances, um, theatres, <laughs> you know, and I do, I even do an acoustic uh, tour where it's like three of us and we go into smaller venues where it might be like, um, not maybe bigger pubs or it might be smaller theatres, whatever it may be. And it's uh, more of a songwriter night, you know, yeah. uh, and do that as well. So it's just so, um, it was booming, you know, just before, before lockdown. I mean, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> and what's the secret? Why, why country? Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's, uh, people can relate to it. I think in a lot of ways, you know, like my Irish country, people say, say to me, what's the difference between Irish country and American country? And, you know, I wouldn't record so much American country music because, um, I, I relate to the Irish part of it, the folk and the, the trads. And, um, now I do think if we, you know, if I call myself a folk singer, I might get more credibility sometimes, but, um, you know, but, you know, it, it, that's the kind of music I, I, I grew up, you know, I, I loved like Johnny McAvoy growing up and, um, I love trad, trad music, you know, and so the, a lot of that is incorporated into my, into my songs, you know, um, and I think country music tells, tells a story too. Um, and it's kind of, um, it doesn't kind of, uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't really offend anybody, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if a, uh, if, if I ever had kids and they came up to me and they said they were listening to, to country music, I'd be happy, you know, rather than listen to some of the <laughs> illicit lyrics or rap, rap artists and stuff, you know. So, like, it's kind of, so it's one of those gigs that, like, you know, and often do with theatres and stuff, you could have four generations. I often say it, but, like, you know, they could have literally four generations sitting in front of you of a family. So that just shows the, the broad appeal of it, you know. Yeah, certainly at the festivals you get that yeah. as well, don't you? Oh, it's brilliant. Like, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. You have little kids coming up to you and then you have their great granny, you know. Like, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. And it, you're inspiring a new generation as well. Now that you know, you wanted to be 
Ronan Keating or whatever, yeah, yeah. they want to be Derek Ryan. Well, it's, it's especially at festivals, you know, you, you meet all the all the kids and even the, we do some dances during the day and you meet all the, 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 the kids as well. And yeah, even when I was going to uh, Sporting Big Tom or I was I was going to like John Hogan years ago and, and uh, Declan Ernie, whatever, I, I looked up to the, the lads and the bands and thinking they were, you know, the absolute superstars of my day you know so um i always remember that when you see kids in the crowd you know that they're looking at this going you know whoa this is this is the guy i listen to on youtube or whatever they're doing these days you know so um yeah no it's great to to inspire young acts and there is like there's a lot of young acts out there that are fantastic singers um from all over ireland you know and they're just waiting just i don't know who's going to be the next kind of what they're just they're waiting to uh, to break you know yeah and that's that's the thing about country music as well uh, the people who follow it, they can actually go and see you perform live mm. and m- meet you in their town. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're, you're all on tour around Ireland. So yeah, that's probably a, a big part. Yeah, of I actually well. get a buzz out of that. Like, I mean, I remember Dad telling me the stories of the show band days and any any kind of program that was on TV about show bands. I used to watch it and just get this buzz. Like, imagine going into a, a village years ago and taking over the, the marquees and um, and I I love that. Like when we were playing a lot of marquees, you know. The whole village we talking about for weeks beforehand and weeks after it, and the night then when you arrive, you know you feel this buzz in the in the in the town or whatever, you know, um, and so like of all the years, kind of you know, I always said to Daddy, I wish I was born in the sixties, you know, that I could have played in that era, but then I, got, I kind of got to experience it myself, you know. Anyway, so um, the, the years night, later, the night that Derry Ryan came to town, <laughs> <laughs> if only someone might write a song to me. <laughs> Uh, how do you think it's going to recover after the pandemic? Well, I hope, like, I mean, we've all the gigs kind of in there, you know, and hopefully they'll, they'll all, you know, they'll all go ahead. And we have the concert tour um, as well, uh, all the theatres, you know, so just hoping it, it goes back to normal, you know, but mm. you, know, you just never know, you know, and it's like, goes back to the boy band. I never take anything for granted in the music business, you know. Um, yeah. I've always, ex- I always expect the unexpected. I'm always preparing for a rainy day. You just never know what's around the corner. So, um, you know, in a way, like the, obviously for the industry, the, 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 the COVID and everything else was absolutely detrimental for everybody working behind the scenes and, and everybody really. But, uh, you know, from a personal point of view, I kind of enjoyed the break, you know, because it kind of just re-energized me after 10 years of, of touring, um, pretty constant, you know, and I know that people like, you know, <laughs> you feel like, you feel like you talk to Philomena or something, they go, well, I'm on the road 50 years, you know, <laughs> 60 years or whatever it is. And, and I haven't too many years yeah, left. Yeah, and you're giving out, but, you know, you're complaining yeah. about having 10 years, you know, of gigs, but um, you, you kind of feel like lazy or something when you're talking to the, the older yeah. generation. But uh, I think after 10 years, I was, I was kind of, um, I just felt like I needed a break, so I, and I just didn't know where I was going to get it. So um, thank God, you know, I actually did uh, just take a bit of a, a step back and just uh, relax for a while, you know. Yeah, and of course you had the outlet of songwriting. You probably did quite a lot of that. Yeah, but, you know, funny, talking to a lot of songwriters, it, it's not really that um, inspiring, you know, sitting right. at home. <laughs> yeah, walking um, in the park. Yeah, and, uh, you know, writing, even co-writing over Zoom and stuff, like, it just, it's just not the same. You can't get the same buzz. But no, I did, I did a lot of it, yeah, but um, not as much as people would probably think you know probably think you were sitting at home there every day during yes. <laughs> during lockdown writing songs but it's just not the way it works because you have to be meeting people and you know just getting stories or whatever something just might you know the more you chat to people and the more you're out and about obviously the more your brain is kind of rolling you know yeah i remember you talking about pete said pete St. John giving you a, a lovely compliment back in the day yeah. in competition that you... Yeah, entered. I remember writing the song for Carlo and um, there was a competition just uh, back in 2005, I think it was actually, for a new kind of Carlo anthem, you know. And um, I, had, uh, I had two, was it two songs? Two songs in the final. Um, anyway, he said to me, that the one that won, um, 
he said, uh, I wish I'd wrote it myself, you know, which is, uh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he said that, and I was, you know, I was only starting out at that this stage. This is so. the man who wrote the, uh, yeah, the Fields of Bath and Rye. And, and, yeah. Um, um, Many other great. Yeah, and he wrote uh, actually Dreamers and Believers as well, a song that I went on to record as well. Yeah. I just wrote, look at he's wrote hundreds of songs, but um, it was just great to get a compliment, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of told you that you have a, a talent as a songwriter. Yeah, I suppose it was it was you know it was something that you could work on, you know. Mm. Um, and as I said earlier, you're always kind of working on it, and I love writing with, with new writers to kind of learn from them, and um, wrote a lot in America as well, and that's kind of. I suppose it's a different approach to writing, really. Um, in Nashville, especially, it's very much right to write to order and write just very um, have a way of of doing things, you know. Whereas in Ireland, I kind of like I I kind of find try and find the balance between this has to be this way. And sometimes in Ireland, I I, I love hearing songs of people write, and it's just it just flows, you know. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just kind of what yeah. came out of them at the time, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's, not, it's not written to a formula. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, it's nice to have a balance. I think in songs, you know, um, and I love that Irish. Where sometimes you hear some brilliant songs here written in Ireland, and it's just fabulous, you know, just the way they it flows, you know. I suppose it's it's a dream of songwriters, particularly country writers, to have mm. some big American artists like Garth Brooks record your song. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. do, do, and do I mean, you think about that? I think, yeah, I think maybe it's something like, you know, I've, I've, as I say, I've been out there a few times writing, but I think you'd have to be probably based out there, you know, yeah. um, and writing on a on a consistent basis and writing for a publisher and all that kind of thing, you know. So it's something I, I've considered doing maybe maybe down the line, but I mean, the best writers in the world are in Nashville. It's not just yeah. the case of turning up. And <laughs> Is it a clothes shop over there? Do you um, I wouldn't say it's a clothes no. shop now. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough because uh, I recorded an album out there um, uh, with Jeff Balling and he was very good to me, putting me in touch with, with big writers like Victoria Shaw, who wrote The, the River for Gar Brooks and um, like that kind of pedigree of, of writers, you know, so I got straight in there, wow. uh, writing in people's houses that wrote massive hits and, and things so yeah it's a great experience and I can always go back there I've made those you know I've made those connections now and that's a pinch yourself moment yeah no it was yeah um it was she, she's a fantastic writer you know um she's every she's every woman she, she wrote for Garth Brooks as well and just uh you know it's scary yeah it's funny it's surreal when you just get talking to them about what songs they've written and yeah, um, and also you're learning subconsciously. Even, oh yeah, aren't you? yeah. And everyone has a, everyone has a way of writing. Like if people yeah. even come to Corey, me, you know, younger artists starting out, I have a way of, of doing it or whatever. And then you go on to the next person, they have a different way, and um, you learn. And a, a lot of people, there is, you know, there's bad experiences too. There's, there's people with egos, and there's people with, that won't listen to you, and won't take your yeah. opinion on board. And it's not all uh, it's not all rosy. But uh, you know, the, the great writers in general. Um, really listen to the artists that they're, you know, that they're writing with or writing for and they, they want you to be part of it, you know. So um, you really learn from people like that, you know. Yeah, one of the most beautiful, beautiful songs you've written is To Waltz With My Mother Again. And obviously yeah. you wrote that at, yeah. at the time that you, your mother died. Yeah, I wrote she, it um, the, night, the night she died, actually. Um, it was actually, she passed away in the morning, Monday morning, and, you know, the whole day obviously was, was um, kind of uh, busy, you know, organising different things and then... It, meeting people and what have you but I just got home I'd say it could have been 11 or 12 at night and I went up to the studio and just just sat in the dark and wrote this wrote a song didn't even record it didn't like didn't even I don't know what I was doing really if you know what I mean looking yeah. back but um, and that was it kind of forgot about it and then we're coming towards the end of the 10 album and I said to Jonathan Owens producer I said look I have this song but I don't know whether to do anything with it I, I didn't know whether it was appropriate or what I just didn't know what and I just I sang, I sang it to him and I think as well because um, 
he grew up very young in the you know in, in drumming and stuff and in the music business in the country scene and when, when the lyrics when I, I sang it to him he said look we have to record this like <laughs> yeah. there's no way we're going to leave this they resonated with him yeah he just thought it was he says look that's one of the best things you've ever come out with you know so um, I, I did and it, I, I'm kind of I'm really thankful that he kind of encouraged me to do it in a way because I performed it every night then on the tour afterwards and it was it was kind of like a way of remembering her every night and basically telling the audience about her as well you know yeah. so it was nice for me I think that was kind of like a, a grieving kind of process too you know and every night we got stand ovations and you know just certain nights was a feeling in the room too you know even the piano player my MD Ray Ray McLaughlin would say like some nights would come off and just be it was a a magic, you know, you could feel it, um, the atmosphere. So, yeah, it was, um, it was probably, um, probably the most personal song of it. With my fears, you drink, I'd sit and I'd sing every song, every word, till Mammy would ask me out for a dance. Oh, how love was my world. Lord, once more give us an encore To feel the way I felt back then Cause I'd give everything for my daddy to sing So I could waltz with my mother again When you were first performing it, I, pres- I presume, you know, quite quite an emotional experience yeah. quite difficult maybe yeah, and funny, yeah but uh, in, a, in a way it, it wasn't you know I, 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 I thought I thought maybe it would it would be um, yeah you'd be breaking down and, yeah and it wasn't because I was actually it made me as I said help me I think um, and not one night did I break or, or stop or anything yeah and I thought I would I thought yeah. I would yeah um, so that kind of um, I think in a way since since mommy passed away like I've become more spiritual in a way I kind of really believed that she was helping me like every night I sang it you know and that's true you know yeah. true as God so kind of I think the whole experience kind of um, yeah so it was it was, uh, it was it was lovely to kind of as I say just um, remember her every night and, and uh, sing the song in her memory you know that was in 2018 was 20, it? Um, 2018 yeah 2018 yeah. yeah yeah. so your mother got to see all your success yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and your dad of course yeah but uh, fantastic for them yeah, I suppose in a way, like, you know, it's she's kind of seen it coming around twice, you know, and um, yeah. yeah, and she was always proud, like, she was always very much a quiet lady and, and very, um, she wouldn't be kind of the one going around uh, bragging about her son, son or anything, <laughs> she was very quiet, but uh, yeah. she was always very proud and she'd always, you know, if I did a TV show or anything, um, you know, even a late late or whatever, maybe she the first person in the text would be like, that was very good. Like, that'd, that'd be a bit more uh, critical, you know. <laughs> He'd tell you what he really thought. Really? Mammy would be like, well, that was, everything was, that was great. <laughs> you know, it always made you feel good, like, but uh, yeah, no, that'd be a bit more <laughs> driving you on. <laughs> Tough review. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I felt a bit better, actually, when I read all these, like, um, autobiographies, you know, of, of sports stars who... Uh, you know, have done well, like in the hurling, football, and soccer, whatever. But uh, the, it seems like a kind of a running theme that their 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 dads were kind of hard on them or whatever. You know, or kind of, you know, um, a bit more kind of uh, constructive criticism, I suppose. Yeah. And how is he getting on without your your mum? Ah, look, it's yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's between that and thinking and COVID as well, it was kind of tough. Yeah. You know, that that was always out and about, and um, he's always like coming to to gigs as well. He had great interest in my gigs, and he'd be at 
anything that was kind of within driving distance he'd, he'd come to yeah. and, and, and support me and whatever so thankfully things are opening up again and, and that's kind of happening again but uh, it was a good period there where I was in Fermanagh and he was in Carlo and I, I didn't get to see him you know so um, yeah no it was definitely definitely tough because you know? the mother really is the, the anchor the rock and oh, the, yeah. and everything revolves yeah. around the mother everything changes yeah the home yeah. the home changes um, the heartbeat kind of goes out of us you know but um, at the same time uh, we kind of became very I think as a family we've become a bit closer you know um, uh, we were always always close but the, yeah. my sister lives in Paris and, and what have you but I think we always keep in touch a bit more and we're, we're a bit kind of more uh, close-knit now I think since since Mammy, Mammy passed away you know probably because your mother probably kept you all in the loop yeah she was what the what were up to yeah and so yeah now you have to do the hard work yourself. yeah yeah <laughs> yourself. yeah yeah there was a very funny um I seen a, one of the comedians whatever did a funny thing about the, the way um, your mother tells you about bad news or something she'd be on the phone and she'd be trying to tell you who who passed away but they go down to like three or four different like yeah, you know Mammy. Pat and Pat's brother is this and then that was the way Mammy was the link to all the all the news at home it reminded me of Mam telling me like you know if someone had yeah. any news in the in the locality you know yeah that's the Irish Mammy yeah the Irish yeah. Mammy exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. down to a T so where to from here more of more of the same have you more ambitions where to yeah I suppose like you know you kind of tick boxes as you go along you know mm. um like my, my aim at the start was to kind of get up amongst the kind of top four or five in the country or whatever country artists. And um, I think I've kind of managed to do that. Um, and then, you know, write songs and write hits, you know. Um, obviously, I'd like to write something to be a bit more commercial at, at some stage, you know, like in the, um, as you say, write a hit for some American actor. Yeah. Even in different genres, like I'm writing for different stuff as well, you know. So, um but as well, you know, I always wanted to play an arena. We got to do that with the Farmers Bash. Uh, we do that every year now, and it's it's on on sale again. So um, you know, there's popularities there for arena shows, and um, I'd love to see something like that happening down south. That happens up in Belfast, you know, at the SSE. Yeah. But I think there is a, um, I think there is an audience for it down down here, you know. Um, so hopefully something like that might happen, and just keep keep working. Yeah. Because all these things go in in cycles, don't yeah. they? Yeah, you know, there's a new wave of country, there's a new yeah. wave of pop or whatever. Yeah, but uh, there's no sign of this uh, abating anytime. Yeah, soon. no, I, I definitely think it's it, well. It definitely, I suppose, has has reached a height. You know, I, yeah. I am, and uh, it's sticking around. You know, yeah. <laughs> which is great. And you know, and long may it continue. Um, but I think country music is always there. You know, um, and there's always been. You know, even when I suppose the the bigger crowds weren't going to or whatever, but it was always. T- you know, it was always um, ticking away there, you know, and dances and, and theatres and what have you. So um, I don't think it'll ever go away. I think it's part of us, but, you know, Irish country. Like people even say to me, oh, I don't like country music, but then they're the first to get up and dance when, <laughs> when a, a Galway girl is played or, do you know, uh, Joyce Country Kayleigh Band or, you know. So um, yeah. I think it's 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 kind of just, uh, sometimes the Irish country or country music is kind of, people call it country and Western, you know. That's right. But really, it's just, it's just music from Ireland, really, you know, and yeah. it's part of us, I think. Yeah, and people think that only old people follow country music and go to the shows, but it, yeah. you know, it's, it's got a really good young following, particularly in different po- pockets of Ireland. hundred percent, like, yeah. yeah, and I, I like I always wish that there was there was there was like big festivals and stuff when I was growing up because I loved um, I loved it obviously growing up, but it was just uh, I was probably the youngest in the in the place, you know, going to see it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now it's great. Like I mean, we do we do festival in, in Liston Varna there every year, and you just have to come to it and experience the the young crowd that come into it and. They're singing country songs back to us like there's there's no tomorrow, you know. So and jiving and uh, the atmosphere is just amazing. You could have two thousand people in a tent and in this environment, you know. So 
it's definitely the popularity is there and uh, as I say hopefully long may it continue and newer younger artists coming on the scene as well because that's the future of country as well isn't it yeah yeah I suppose, look it's just a matter of who, who's going to take the, the plunge you know I've working with different people I have the studio in the house now and I've um, working with different young, young guys and girls coming in and they're you know writing songs and stuff and I enjoy that as well trying to see but anytime they ask me like well, what's the you know the kind of the best you know what's the best route to take whatever and I I, I said, sure, if I knew that, you know, if everyone, I could tell you a route and, and pretend it's, it's going to happen, but like, I, you know, I don't know, like, no one can tell you, no one can sit there and tell you you're going to make it, like, you're going to have to get out there and, and work. And I always say, like, in a way, the benchmark has been set very high with, with, with Nathan Carter and, you know, I, I always say, you know, it's, I'd, I'd use him as a reference to go, right, well, you're going to be better than him, like. You know, <laughs> I said, take me out of the equation. You know, you're going to be better than him. And that's why, yeah. you know, I, I wonder, I know you don't have to, you know, it's, you can just be different, you know, yes. which is, is, is probably the best way to, to go about it, you know. And, and um, you know, I always, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be different from my songwriting and from the, from the very, from the word go. And I think I said true to myself and think it worked out, you know, the, you know, for me, in the, it worked out great for me in the long run. But that's what I would say to young artists, you know, um, you know, the benchmark is high, so you're going to have to hit it. <laughs> you're going to have to start off high. <laughs> it's basically down to hard work, isn't it? Hard craft. Yeah. Yeah. 99% perspiration, 1% yeah definitely hard work and I think I got luckily enough I got that um, from, from from the boy band you know the amount of promotion we put into the boy band I mean you're talking 20 hour days over in Japan and even the UK with sign-ins and stuff and um, people mightn't think it's hard work going in and signing CDs but if you're doing it for 20 hours a day and uh, promoting doing interviews like this and whatever maybe if you're doing that on a consistent basis for three or four weeks up on the lead up to a, a single it's Heavy, heavy going. Be no problem to fill me in a bag, did it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then you're expected to sing, sing live, you know, and all these kind of things. But um, yeah. no, I like it. I mean, it's 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 hard work. It's whatever job you're in, and yeah. if you want to succeed in it and and um, improve in it, you're going to have to work hard. So same as anything, you have to treat it like a job. I think some people think put stick a video up on TikTok and you know you've 50 million views away you go. Like, but I don't think it's as easy as that. Um, I think you have to put in the work behind the scenes as well. There's, there's very little glamour. The glamour is what you see on stage. <laughs> it's what goes on behind the, the well, stage. Well, the hard work is, is not on stage, sure. I yeah. mean, we love being on stage. We love singing. And um, yeah. I love being in the studio. Like, I could spend oh, I could spend weeks in the studio. I don't see it as work at all. Once I get into something, I'm obsessed with it. It's, it's, I don't know whether it's that healthy, you know, but uh, yeah. if I have an idea for a song or I'm even recording vocals or recording anything, I'll spend hours. I forget what time it is. I'll go to bed at, you know, five or six in the morning if I was let you know so it's just um, if you do something you love you know but the hard work is definitely the I suppose the travel and all that kind of thing yeah the, you know, the not so glamorous side of it yeah well Derek long may it continue you bring, it, you bring a lot of joy to a lot of people and Thank that's you very much. what it's all about it's Hope all about so. as well you know and uh, we should continue to success thanks for having me Eddie thank you this has been My Country Life a Sunday World Podcast this episode was produced by Ian Malini and the theme music is Rose Gold Renegades by Jesse Frizzell. If you enjoy this episode, do consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eddie Rowley and this is My Country Life.